Today on the Blokes in Your Ear podcast, we have five-time Winter Olympian and gold medal winning athlete Lydia Lassala. Lydia has been an entrepreneur since her retirement from sport, developing her own brand working with athletes who are recovering from injuries. She is also known for her recent stint on All-Star Survivor. She was an absolute pleasure to interview and an absolute fitness freak. Let's give it up for Lydia Lassala. Hi, Lydia. Nice to have you on. How's, Thanks. Um, how's COVID-19 treating you? Oh, look, I'm, I'm not sick, so I'm just loving being at home, which is um, amazing. I feel for the people that are struggling with a new way of life and and especially those that are, you know, really crook and it's affecting a lot of people. I've got friends in the US. It's, um, it's just bad news um, at the moment. So, yeah, it's hard, but at the same time I'm really loving being at home um, with the kids. They're not driving me nuts yet. Um, we've got plenty to do here. We've got renovations going on. I run a you know e-commerce business, so um, that's still ticking along. So yeah, look, there's there's heaps to do, and I'm a, I'm a hermit anyway. So this kind of I'm like born for isolation. So um, <laughs> I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, where are you from? You're living in. We're in Lawn, so we're Lawn, on the surf yep. coast. So we we have a really um, good environment here. Obviously, we're you know we. We're in the Otway National Forest, so we've got, you know, beautiful kind of bush views and, and the ocean as well. So I feel for people that are um, kind of stuck in some concrete, you know, or in an apartment and, and aren't able to get out at the moment and just see nature. I think that's really helping me a lot. Um, yep. Makes a massive difference, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously it sounds like you're a fairly um, outdoorsy sort of person. Mm, um, yeah, definitely. Do you have heaps of trails and stuff that you can use for? Are you into biking or running or anything like that? Or yeah, I love running, and I've just um, I just bought a mountain bike, which is cool because there's yeah, there's around me there's heaps of trails. Um, I surf as well, which we can still do, I think. So um, <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's kind of yeah, it's actually a really good like sport, if you will, for. For this kind of situation because no one wants to be like any closer than two meters anyway from each other so yeah unless absolutely. you're unless you're running someone over in the surf but um yeah yeah so i've been surfing quite a bit riding my bike just to get outside i do a lot of yoga um yeah you know and home workouts and things like that i do anyway you know so it doesn't doesn't change too much it's just yeah the, the social aspect of things and your family and you know not I, we're kind of isolated from my my folks. They've had some health issues, so just kind of seeing them on you know FaceTime or whatever, and um, making sure that they're all right, you know, as well. Um, yeah, it's it's a funny. Everyone's in the same situation, I guess. We're all in it together, so it's um, we're just going to make the the best out of a a crappy situation. Yeah, find, absolutely. Find some pos- positives in it. Yeah, well, it's pretty tough at the minute because um, sort of with our sort of age bracket you know if you're under 50 60 you're fairly mm. safe in terms of if you get it like you should recover mm. it's pretty worrying for our sort of parents and grandparents i don't know absolutely sort of the same thing oh yeah and that's why we've been really you know i've got three older brothers and we're just adamant that mom and dad stay isolated and away from everyone and you know i don't want them even going to <laughs> to the shop you know if they can help it um just with, you know, online deliveries and things like that and just being, yeah, super careful, especially if they've had health issues. Um, but at the same time, like, I don't really want to get the virus either, you know, because like, yeah. yeah. you know, <laughs> we don't know, like, we don't know what long-term kind of damage it does to your lungs or anything like that. You find mm. that out in 20 years or, you know, 10 years maybe, but no one really knows. So it's not like, yeah. Um, yeah, I want yeah, to catch absolutely. it, you know. So yeah, yeah it's yeah. just taking absolute precaution, um, and being safe. Yeah, and just keeping the kids busy. They're, they're some days they're killing each other and killing me, but other days they're all right. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what what age are those guys? Um, um, I've got two boys, and they're five and nine, or just about nine. So. Yeah, yeah cool. so I they actually don't know it's school holidays at the moment. I've just kind of rolled over this school thing. They've got a schedule on the on the wall, <laughs> and um, That's great. 
at the moment. I've given them a break. They're playing Lego, but I can hear them, you know, screaming at each other. So, yeah, we're trying to keep it fun, um, yeah. take them outside for bushwalks and things like that because we back onto forest so we can just head out and, yeah, you know, get away like that. Um, yeah. We had a dance party last night. That was pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, nice. Did you dance or? <laughs> oh, hell yeah. <laughs> the macarita or something? No, nah, no macaritas, but it was, <laughs> we had everything going. We had everything going on last night. It was fun. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. Yeah, well, um, me and Connor are school teachers, so yeah, it's pretty weird at the uh, minute. Yeah. Term two looks like it's going to be rubbed out. So yeah, yeah it's a very, just hit uh, the delete button. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's all sort of going to online learning, which is a bit. Strange, yeah, anyway. I had so many messages from parents yesterday. You know, we live in a small community here, so there's a like a little school parents kind of WhatsApp or messenger group, and everyone's freaking out. <laughs> 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 They're like, Ten two, I can't do this. Like, yeah, yeah. there's no way I can do this." And I'm just like, "Well, just I don't know, just read, like read books, and you know, just bake and do life stuff and." Yeah. Teach your kids, like, it doesn't have to be that formal, you know, as long as they're kind of learning something, um, yeah. I reckon we'll be doing all right, you know, so. Oh, absolutely. Um, but I think it's the fear of, like, parents, you know, thinking that they need to meet some kind of level of expectations from, or how teachers would be teaching a certain way and you've got to mm. just let all that go. Like, just play Monopoly, play Scrabble, play some memory card games and yeah. read and, you know, write stories and that's kind of my approach to it. Um, look at maps, you know, do some geography, figure yeah. out, all right, who's got the most cases? Yep, the United States is here. We do not want to go there, <laughs> you know, like right yeah. now. So, like, things that are probably aren't at the moment learning in school um, yeah. as well. So. Yeah, I think it's a good opportunity to, I don't know, I'm, I'm finding I'm enjoying being around the kids, but yeah. sometimes they, they're annoying, but yeah. otherwise it's good. Absolutely. Getting in the garden as well. That's great. You know, teaching them how to plant stuff and grow stuff. I think it's all good. Yeah, that's great. Well, I think if you try to adopt a teacher method um, where you had you up the front and them sitting down, I don't think yeah, they'd no. really yeah, appreciate that as as their no. mother, they wouldn't really, I don't know, that would be yeah. hard to facilitate, no. I think. So. Yeah, I, yeah, no, that's not for me. I'm pretty, <laughs> and, I, and I'm pretty um, I'm pretty hard on my five-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, right, golden words, red words, and he forgets some from time. I'm like, how can you forget? You just said that word. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, he's five. I'm going to back up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's He's going to go back to school thinking it's a bloody holiday. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hard-ass <laughs> mum. That's great. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, well, with your upbringing and stuff, so it's um, obviously you've achieved a lot in your sporting career, um, but it'd be interesting to see where sort of how you grew up and what sports you're into growing up. So if you want to yeah. take us through that, that'd be unreal. Yeah, sure. Um, we grew up in the western suburbs of Melbourne, um, kind of where all the immigrants flocked. So mum and dad um, migrated to Australia in the early 60s, actually, no, 50s. And, um, yeah, so, so they grew up in the western suburbs of Melbourne, dad from Cyprus, mum from Italy, Grew up with three older brothers and they didn't really come from any structured sport. You know, they had no idea about any kinds of like structured sport, professional sport. Mm. Had no experience there. They liked to be active and my dad's a keen ocean man so he fishes and, um, you know, he dives and it was, you know, we spent a lot of time down um, here where I live now in Lawn. Um, all of our summers and weekends and whatnot were spent here. Um and so I wasn't really exposed to, um, you know, knowing anyone that was a professional athlete or, or anything, but I kind of had this weird drive that from a really young age that I knew that I wanted to be a sports person. I just, I, you know, I didn't know what sport, but I, and I tried everything and having three older brothers, you know, helped with that. We played soccer, we played footy, we played cricket. Um, we played tennis, you know, and then I started to discover, you know, acrobatics and I'd be on trampolines and 
you know, it came naturally to me. I'd loved to flip and I'd love to be in the air and mum eventually just put me into gymnastics. So, um, so I did gymnastics for a long time. I did that for about nine years and was pretty good at that. Um, and probably could have gone to the Olympics in, gymna- in, in gymnastics, but, um, mum and dad at the time I was asked to well, join the elite program, which was about the age of 10. And at that point we lived in, you know, in a West Mel in Melbourne and, um, the options uh, I got chosen to join the elite program, which were in the AIS in Canberra at that point, yeah, or yeah. in on the other side of town in in um, Cheltenham, and and that was my ticket to become an Olympic gymnast. Obviously, if you join the elite program, then you know you're going up to forty hours a week of training at the age of ten, mm. um, and I'd have to move out of home, um, or they would have to relocate, like a lot of families did, you know. So mum and dad said, "No way, yeah, <laughs> you're yeah. not. You're not going." <clears throat> Um, we got three other, you know, got three brothers. You know, dad is a builder. They just didn't understand, you know, what that meant to me as well. Like they didn't understand, you know, that drive and my kind of obsession with wanting to, you know, go all the way. Really, go to the Olympics, mm. and um, so they shut that down. And then I was gutted because I knew if I didn't go, then I wasn't going to have a chance. You know, um, so I stayed in the national stream program as a gymnast and just did, um, yeah, like I won everything in, the, in, in that stream all the way to level 10 and um, yeah. blitzed it really. Um, and, but I always felt like, you know, I could be so much better, you know, if I, if I could go and into the elite program and, and um, you know, up the training to, to where I needed to, then I, I could have made it. So I was always had that like that was that was a struggle for me, knowing that I could have been um, better had I given had I taken that opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then it was funny. I won everything there was to win, and I was fifteen, and um, I got picked up again. So, and which is really rare. So for the elite program, I got asked again, and at this point, there had been a few that sprung up all over Melbourne, and this one was in particular MLC and Q. There was an elite program there, and um, and so they asked, hey, you know, this was like 90, 97, I guess, 90, 97, 96, and Commonwealth Games were ninety eight, Sydney two thousand. That was leading into that that period, and they said, well, look, we think you know you've got a cr- you can ha- you could have a crack. Um, it is late, but you know if you if you're determined, you work hard, then um, we'll we'll take you, you know. So I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, this, this is second chance. It's late, but um, at that point, mum and dad said, yeah, go, go for it. I think they felt pretty guilty because they knew mm. that I was good, you know, mm. and um, probably could have been a whole lot better. So I went from training 14 hours a week because I was not. Mum and dad never let me do weekend training, so I'd we'd come down to lawn on the weekends and I'd lock myself up in my room and be doing you know, handstands and push-ups and training and running mm. out in the bush and just so I could, you know, not feel like I was losing anything. I wasn't doing gymnastics but I was kind of, I was a nutter. I was obsessed. <laughs> and yeah. um, and so then they, they caved and they let me go. So I went from training 14 hours a week to 32 um, and ended up having to move, uh, not move, but move schools to MLC as well. So went from, you know, a normal kind of teen existence to like, okay, <laughs> two sessions a day, so, you know, so get to queue by seven o'clock in the morning, which is an hour away from where I live um, in traffic, train from seven till 10.30, go to school till 3.30, um, back in the gym till 7.30, get picked up, go home, repeat the next day. And my mum drove me everywhere, so... Um, it was insane. So, and I got good really fast. Like I just went from, you know, just exploded in everything, you know, and, um, but then I exploded in injuries as well. And Mm. my body just kind of, um, started to break down, I guess, with that, such an increasing, increased load, um, during that, you know, those formative kind of years as well, um, as a 15, 16 year old. So, it got to a point where um, 
I was doing Commonwealth Games trials because I was coming back off an injury and, you know, so I wasn't at peak, so I was a bit deflated. And then um, I decided to, yeah, pull the pin before, um, you know, or after those trials and not not go for Sydney 2000 because it was just I knew at that point that, you know, the dash was too late and my bod- if my body kept breaking down like that, how was I going to progress? So. I just I just decided to to quit, which was really hard because I loved it, but I I was realistic as well, and I knew like this is not going to work. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So that was kind of a big chunk of my sporting career, um, as a gymnast. And I played netball at school, and I swam in squad, and you know I did everything, and I had other interests. I loved surfing, and loved actually surf lifesaving. That was one way that I was after gymnastics I was really considering going you know because I loved being down here at lawn and um you know watched Ironman series you know with my brothers every weekend you know and Trevor Hendy's and the, the guy leech and, and all all of that so that was kind of something that really interested me and, and surfing and then um yeah I got a call from the Olympic Winter Institute who um had this kind of out of the box idea of recruiting ex gymnasts and and teaching them how to ski to become aerial skiers. Mm-hmm. And I'd never I'd never skied before, never been to the snow. Um, that was and it was weird, you know. I was like, what is this world? I have no idea about which sport. Yeah. Um, and so I went for a meeting and saw some videos of the sport, and it looked really cool, you know. It was all these acrobatics. Amazing skiers flipping off these jumps, doing you know twists and turns and and skiing away, and it just looked impressive. And um, that whole world, I guess, was really was foreign to me. You know, mountains and and um, traveling, you know, to places that I probably would never have traveled to, learning to ski. So I I kind of saw it as a really great opportunity to try something new. Um, and so I was kind of torn between, yeah aerial skiing, um, the, the whole ocean kind of sport um, route. And then I got, a, I got a call from Cirque du Soleil at the time who were <laughs> just starting and, um, and they rang, they knew, they knew I'd retired from gym and they said, oh, you know, this from Quebec, you know, this, this amazing, this, well, they weren't amazing then but they were just starting and, asked if I'd like to join and I'm like, nah, you know, I'm not a circus freak. I don't really want to, I don't want to join the circus. <laughs> little, yeah. little did I know it would have probably been a good um, career move, you know, because Cirque du Soleil, I mean, I've seen a lot of shows and it, it's, it's, not, it's not Circus Oz, you know, it's, it's next mm. level. So it was amazing. But, um, yeah, so there were a few options, but I, I, I took the, the skiing route and, um and just started skiing and learned to ski for a year in this kind of guinea pig program. I was total guinea pig because I'd never tried it before. No one in the world had tried it before, taking gymnasts and teaching them how to ski, you know, and turn them into mm. aerial skiers. So, yeah, um, but, I yeah, I loved it straight away. It was like this new challenge, new world. Um, you know, I didn't like being a beginner and I don't like being a beginner at anything. So it was like mm. this desperation to get good really fast and and um, and I did, you know, I was 18 months later at my first Olympics. So it kind of yeah, worked. Wow. So what that was, was that feeling like? Sorry. Sorry, you go, you go speak. Yeah. Um, what was that feeling like? So you, you obviously couldn't go to the 2000 Olympics and then all of a sudden you you get this kind of shot at redemption and you can go to the Olympics. What? Mm. How did you feel? Well, it was that carrot, you know, like it wasn't necessarily like the sport of aerial skiing looked cool, but it was like a chance to go to the Olympics and I didn't really care if it was the summer or the winter. <laughs> they're, mm. they're both the same. I'm like, yeah, you know, this is my second chance to kind of fulfil a, a childhood dream because I, I had – I knew, like I knew from a young age that I, I could be an Olympic champion. Like I knew it if if I just had the right opportunity. And so this was like, yeah, it was it was it was the perfect timing, and it was second chance. And and God, I went for it. You know, I, to get you know to the Olympics in eighteen months, I took 
I took huge risks, you know. I, it wasn't smart what I was doing. I was throwing my body around like it was a crash dummy, you know. Mm, and the, the mm. learning curve was steep and I got injured as well. And But I was a good competitor so that reinforced the behaviour and I just um, I pushed so hard and did, you know, volumes like three times more than anyone else in the world at that point in time to just get there. So I was just completely driven, you know, obs- like obsessed, like, if I look back now, I was just reckless, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess some of those qualities are, you know, the, what have made me, you know, that that kind of diesel engine that just keeps going all day long. And, you know, I could I could just pump out so much volume. So I was improving really fast and just a unique skill that, you know, I, I could kind of pump out so much volume and, and boredom would never kind of set in. So Did I, any of your- I could... Yeah. So did any of your coaches ever tell you you're doing too much? You need to slow down, and or it was funny because it was kind of like the wild west um, when I started, and they, the skiing community, had never seen, you know, an athlete come in like me who come from a very rigid and structured sport of gymnastics. So they kind of didn't know what to do with me, and they just let me go, you know. Like, okay, she wants to keep doing. There was no periodization, there was no like mm. tapering, there was no planning, there was no strategy. It was just like, go. And so that was crazy because <laughs> mm. mm. it's so much different now. You know, like everyone that comes through the program now is like, I mean, every step of the way is measured and it's, you know, um, it's so much more sensible. Um, yeah. yeah, so no one was kind of holding me back, which was good but it was also bad because it was leading to some kind of you know destructive behaviors and 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 not looking after my body you know at all it was like the meat factory so um but the you know I'd come through you know I'd come through with results and and that's also if you're running a sporting organization you know on paper that was good didn't really matter that you know I had bloody cysts in my spine or was jumping Mm. with severe injuries um yeah that i'm sure a lot of sports were like that in their beginnings they they were look at football look at look at everything look at how different recovery techniques are now and um you know i I almost feel like it's gone overboard now like we rely so much on our support team and when to do this when to when to eat breakfast when to (laughs) you know Mm, have mm. a cold bath like athletes are they need to have that in them. They need to have that drive if they're kind of given the, the silver spoon all the way. Um, just takes away that, I reckon, that hunger. Yeah. It is a hard thing to kind of juggle. Um, mm. I myself, I'm an exercise scientist and an exercise physiologist, so um, mm. I know exactly what it's like to try and uh, work with athletes. Uh, at even state level, that's, um, that's something really hard to do because – more times than not, you feel like, yeah, you're stopping them, you're slowing them down. And a lot yeah. of times they feel like they, yeah, they have those same thoughts that they can go and do more. Yeah. Um, and it's hard as a, as kind of their, their coach to tell them, now nah, you need to slow down. <laughs> yeah. And there's always tomorrow, you know, and that's, mm. you need to slow down today so that you can get through tomorrow kind of thing, you know, and um, that's something you learn, like I learned pretty you know, quickly, really, that it wasn't working after you've have a, a string of kind of really severe injuries that could threaten your career, um, you you kind of wise up a lot more. <laughs> mm. and, I, and I certainly did. Was mm. there any injuries in particular that made you wise up? Yeah, I had a, I came off a double ACL. Um, so I blew it out, blew my ACL about six months before my second Olympics in Torino. And... Um, and I had this kind of radical surgery at the time, another guinea pig moment where uh, instead of them using my hamstring as, as the ACL graft or my quadricep, I, I used a cadaver graft, so it was called an allograft, so that I could try and recover back in time for the Olympics. So I had six months to get, get to do that, you know. And so I did that and I got back. I made it back in time. I did one World Cup before the Olympics and I won it. And I was like, okay, well, back where I left off kind of thing. And then, yeah, blew my knee in the semifinals again. So that was a 
that was gutting because that was like, oh, my gosh, you know, I've just been through this traumatic experience of recovering from a knee reconstruction, doing all that work, like the mental preparation as well to just, you know, keep fear at bay and all, all of that and mm. worry. And, and then I got to the Olympics. I was jumping really well and then my, my leg gives out and it just snapped, you know. So, yeah, so that was, that was gut. Like that was, that was, that was a really hard um, time because, yeah, I wasn't sure if I was going to make it back, you know. I wasn't sure. A lot of people when you, you know, have injuries or su- succession of injuries kind of start to write you off, you know, and, mm. and your confidence is low and, you know, I had a lot to come back from. So, and the trauma of blowing it out at the Olympics, you know, and, and that, was, that was hard to swallow. Um, so I had a year off and that's when things really turned around, I guess, for me. Um, yeah, I started to realise that what I was doing, you know, in that in terms of that that kind of pushing too hard, I, I just had that belief that if you work hard, you'll be successful, and it is true. But but I wasn't. I I needed to work smarter, not harder, at that mm. point in time. Mm. Um, and 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 just really wise up. And so I I kind of reached out to. to people for the first time in my career and realised I'm going to need some kind of mental support here. So I found a a mind coach that that really resonated with me, Um, Queenslander up in uh, Jeffrey Hodges, his name is. And I'd been reading his books and doing his visualisations as well. I've always been a keen mental, like I've always realised and understood the power of mental imagery because I was injured so much that... I'd often replace physical practice with mental imagery training and would go out the next day and be able to do everything, you know, and compete well. And so I understood its power and I knew and what his work really resonated with me. So we started working together, had a year off to recover, had you know, three three more surgeries to, to fix my knee, um, this time, you know, using a hamstring tendon, um, my hand hamstring tendon. But, yeah, so it was a bit of a mess but... um a good time for me to reflect and figure out what I was doing wrong and what I needed to do to be able to get back and be able to then get to the level I wanted to be, which was, you know, doing, you know, jumps that were the same quality as the men. That was always something that I wanted to do to prove that it was possible. (laughs) It comes from having three older brothers Mm. (laughs) who 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 never let me win anything. So it was always like I was always trying to prove as a kid that I could do the same as them, you know, and it mm. carried through to sport. Always trying to prove that just because I was a girl, it didn't mean I couldn't do triple somersaults with four twists, you know, at, at, mm. at, at, and execute them at the same level. And that was what I was chasing. I was chasing, obviously, Olympic gold. But you know, I think having that um, that vision and that that's where I wanted to get to. That that. That, that end point was what motivated me through, you know, the, the shitty times and the, mm. the injuries and the times where your kind of confidence is hit rock bottom. So, yeah, so I got the mental coach. Um, I started a business in that year. I started my, my company Body Ice that year, which has mm. still continued to grow and run since, you know, and because um, I couldn't find an ice pack fit on my knee that wouldn't slip and leak all over the place. So I ended up yep. designing my mm. own and got it up and running within six months and um, away I went. And so then by the time I got back, I was you know, physically rehabilitated. I'd also got a new coach, which I wanted, who I wanted to work with, a Swiss coach. Um, so I relocated to Switzerland. Um, I was working with, you know, my mind coach. Um, and I just, I returned to sport different I returned with a bit more perspective I had a taste of what life was like on the outside you know and and um had a business so I had some security coming in and not relying just on you know um sponsorships and endorsements and things like that um and so yeah I went with the perspective you know and um I I think that made me a better athlete like it just made me more wholesome and more relaxed and I knew that I was there because I wanted to be there Um, and just having that team for the first time in my life and plan um, and real strategy and, and, you know, that the smarts about me, um, it 
you know, it was, it was kind of a different person. Yeah. Yeah. With, with the, um, that's, that, that's unreal. With the knee injuries, obviously you would have had a massive, uh, mental hurdle to jump over, like literally mm. jump over to get yeah. back into, um, aerial skiing. So yeah. what was it like sort of the first time you went back to the slopes and you saw the jump there? Like, did you? Yeah, look, it's a progression. And I think, yeah. you know, like I remember doing, you know, leg press for the first time and I was petrified because I was like, how, oh, what's this going to feel like, you know? And, mm. um, and I think as you, you get better physically, your confidence on that knee or on that injury area starts to revive, you know, itself and starts to come back. And so by the time I got to the point of, you know, jumping, I'd already, you know, the first step was just skiing or walking around in my ski boots, seeing how that felt or jumping off a, off a you know, a bench at the gym or jumping yep. up or hopping down or, and, you know, all of these agility exercises obviously to just make sure that my knee joint could cope with the load. And so it was kind of, you know, really um, a step-by-step approach and just testing constantly. Um, and building strength and then you know the skiing felt good okay well, let's just do a little you know little jump you know and yeah. no no flips or anything just jump and land and ski away and see how that feels and that felt okay and then you go to the water ramps and you do it into the into the pool you know into off an artificial jump into the pool and then that felt good and you you know you add a flip and you add two flips and then you get to three and then you yeah. put it all on snow but it doesn't so it's just you have to kind of take it step by step and some days, you know, you'll get it, it got aggravated and you have to peel it back, you know, and look after it and maybe take a couple of days off or whatever it needed. But, um, yeah, it was just kind of a progression. Um, but in the same time, you know, you, 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 you know, you're looking at a jump and it's, it's a big jump, you know, and there are certainly days where you did have, I did have flashbacks of, what had happened and or worrying about that happening again. But I'd also, I guess, developed the skill set at that point um, to cope with those negative thoughts and be able to kind of deflect them and replace them with more positive thoughts or thoughts that were going to be more useful for me at the time, like, hey, let's just focus on the technique that you need to focus on to hit this jump, you know. So, um, mm. yeah, so the, the mental training really helped with all of that that was key because I'd, I'd developed a skill set that that just could allow me to cope which you know it's funny because now like it that same skill set it's 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 very useful in everything in life you know and it's useful yeah. in times like this where you know you could easily kind of go down the the rabbit hole of feeling stressed or you know that you've got because you've got so much uncertainty like how is my business going to go you know, what's going to happen? Like, you know, you could go down the rabbit hole of thinking all the worst case scenarios, but then, you know, I feel like I can kind of pull my up, myself up there and just go, no, nah, well, this is, let's just focus on this, you know, let's focus on what we can control and yeah. not on what we can't. So, yeah, so those skills are just so applicable um, in business, in life, in parenting, whatever, which I'm, you know, really happy because it was a lot of work at the time. Yeah, you know we don't we don't tend to work our brain as much as we work our muscle. You know, in the gym or or Mm. acquiring skills, and when you do and you realize how powerful it is, it's just like wow. I'm so glad I did that work then because I have a different level of awareness about myself, about people, about how to communicate that that I wouldn't have learned if I didn't go through that. Yeah, well, I've heard a lot of stories about athletes and you know people that do a certain thing, they cop an injury or a setback and they mm. put that effort into something else. So obviously for you, you put it into body ice. Yeah. Um, and that's just a massive positive because it'd be easy just to, I'm sure. Sit on the couch. Yeah. There would have been times where at the very start you'd sit there and feel sorry for yourself. Oh, to, totally. Yeah. To pick yourself yeah. up eventually and go, mm. all right, let's turn this into a positive. Yeah. Um, I think that's a reflection on sort of, yeah, you and um, sort of the way you do things. I reckon that's great. It was certainly like if I look back now, it was the best thing that could happen to me, blowing my knee out twice in six yeah. months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was actually the best thing yeah. that could have happened to me. So, yeah, yeah, and I wouldn't be where I am if now if I didn't. Um, so yeah, it's it's interesting how things kind of turn out. 
Absolutely. Um, and with, with the confidence aspect, I don't know, do you follow AFL football at all? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, not as much as probably used to, but yeah, yeah, I do. There's a guy called um, yeah, Mick Moldhouse. He used to sort of yeah, I know Mick. Good. Yeah, I used yeah. to when I was rehabbing my knee. We used to yeah. be at the Lexus Centre at the time. It's now the what is it? It's the Westpac Centre. We're yeah. Collingwood trained, so we shared a gym with them, and so I'd see Mick all, a lot. Um, and um, yeah, he was always really supportive of yeah. you know me checking in and see how the knee was going and all of that. And um, yeah, so sorry I interrupted you, but what about no, Mick? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so I remember in year eleven he came to my school and did a bit of a speech. And mm. he said he talked about his players like Travis Cloak, he'd you know been mm-hmm. in front of goal yep. and yep. not confidence with his kicking, he'd frigging kick yep. out on the floor or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sort of said that if you if you could bottle confidence, you'd be a multi millionaire. Mm. And that sort of really stuck with me. I just think that confidence is so vital in sport and life. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you've sort of talked about the confidence aspect. It's funny because in business, you know, cash is king, right? Mm. Um, but in sport, confidence is king, and um, without it, it doesn't really matter how much money you've got. But without confidence, you know, you're not going to be able to have the performance or execute in in the way you want to. So it is really different because in business you can fake it till you make it, but in sport you can't. Um, and it's yeah, it's 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 a funny parallel because you know in business you can lack confidence and. You know, people substitute that with either drinking or drugs or whatever, just so that they can get through the work day and have it have and be successful there. But <laughs> you know, you can't do that as an athlete. <laughs> no. You know, you can't just drink confidence. It has to be. You know, you have to you have to work for it, and the your support staff have to preserve help you preserve it at all costs. It is like cash in business. Confidence is is king in sport. And um and you have to fight really hard to preserve it. Um so yeah no I agree with Nick. You can you can have the best physical preparation. You can be the strongest on your team. You can you do everything in practice. But then if you don't have the confidence to go and execute when the time counts, then yeah, that's where it all comes unraveling. Yeah, you can't walk for Wall Street and take a heap of drugs and alcohol. No, and you know, like totally fake it till you make it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think Spice has a couple of questions about your 2010 yes. uh, games and, um, yeah, the lead up to that. Over to you, yeah, Spicey. Cool. Yeah, thanks, Sonny. So, yeah, really interesting to hear your story and uh, mainly based around yeah how how you came back through your ACL and I know you explained a little bit but you've been talking about your when you were growing up and how you were kind of denied the chance to go to the 2000 Olympics and then mm. coming in to the uh, 2006 and you do your uh, you reiterate your ACL coming into 2010 how are you feeling um it's funny because I, you know, I had a new coach. I've got that new kind of A team really around, and, um, and I came back, you know, very uh, well. Transform. It was a kind of transformative period, as I was saying. And then I started jumping again, and everything was so measured. Everything was. I'd gone from being, you know, no plan and just flying off the seat of my pants to being like obsessed about the details, um, and so. Everything was kind of under control. My volumes were under control. The jumps that I was doing on a daily basis, my recovery, my mental training, everything was measured and controlled. And it was almost like along the way I was just ticking boxes and just, um, you know, my confidence was building, my strength was building, my skills are building. Um, everything was kind of going up because I was sticking to this kind of recipe, you know. And, um, and it almost felt like... I couldn't put a foot wrong at that point and mm. I didn't I didn't make any mistakes you know I had maybe some minor setbacks but I'd be able to just reel it back in and get back on track and I think what really mattered was that the team that I had around me were bored as well and they mm. were we were all you know on the same kind of wavelength they understood what I wanted and and the reasons why 
and you know they were with me every step of the way so I really yeah I made no mistakes and and I was on fire you know and I got to back to doing these triple somersaults that women hadn't done before and that's what I wanted to win with at the Olympics and that was that was it you know and um yeah you'd have your, your days where you lose a little bit of confidence but I felt like yeah it was like there there was no, there was no alternative way you know that was the direct that was winning gold at the 2010 Olympics was what I wanted doing these tricks and that was the path that I wanted to take there could have been a hundred million other roads that could have popped up you know you could have gone in any way one would have been re-injuring yourself another one would have been coming second another one would have been no backing down on skills and just doing a safer option you know there's so many alternatives but that was the one I wanted Mm. and it was like dog with a bone and I'm not giving into that and that's the way it was you know and I got to the Olympics and I had certain you know times where especially because the media would bring it up all the time um you know are you afraid of re-injuring your knee how's the knee talking about the knees you know and and so I had to really work hard on deflecting those comments and um and just saying you know that was four years ago that my past you know doesn't equal my future I'm this is where I am now and, and I'm on fire and I'm going to win this mm. thing, you know. So, right. yeah, so it was always you're kind of always trying to deflect, 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 take the information that is going to help you, you know, and just leave everything behind, everything else behind that's not helpful and that's that's a skill. And that's mm. what I learnt, you know, through that period of mental training and rehab and whatnot and um that's a really, really, at the end of the day when you're standing up there and you know that you've got three seconds to, to get, you know, do the jump of your life and any distraction can really impact you, mm-hmm. that's having that skill is key. So take us through what, how you approach that kind of um, 15 minutes leading up to those three seconds. How do you, what do you do? Do you have any, do you have any specific routine or... Did you yeah. know you were going to win gold before you actually did the jump? Were you no. really confident about it? Or? You know, and yeah, and it's it's kind of like I had to control myself the whole way, and it's about being disciplined because to be present, which is where you want to be to have the performance of your life, you want to be in the moment, you want to be concentrating on on you know the technique that you need to be able to execute the skill. You start thinking about oh, if I land this next jump, I'm going to win, or oh, that jump before, maybe you had a few, you know, whatever, you're taking yourself out of the present. And Mm. so it's a constant fight (laughs) and convincing Mm. yourself just to, so it would be just me reinforcing, just be where you are, Lydia, be where you are, stay here, right here, be where you are, and we're going to focus on this next jump. What do you need to do to be able to do this next jump well? And if you start having those conversations with yourself internally, um, it doesn't leave much room for the other stuff like, oh, my God, how loud is the crowd or, Oh, what's it? You know, like you just you're just on you're just in the zone. Like you're in the zone. Mm. You're in the moment, and that's what you have to fight to stay in. So, coach, your support staff, they're just all there reinforcing that. Just stay where you are. Lead. Everything's on track. You just keep. You know, you do one jump, and then it's the next jump, and then it's the next jump. So I just kind of move through everything like that. You know, to the point of where oh, I'm packing my bag for training. This is what's going in it. Now I'm, you know, getting on the bus to go to the hill and now I'm going to go through my warm-up and now I have a snack and I'm going to really enjoy it and then I'm going to have some water and I'm going to go and take a piss and then I'm going to put my ski boots back on and then I'm going to ride up the hill and then I'm going to do this next jump. You know, like just hmm. one thing at a time, which is, again, another, you know, it's a really good skill to have. Um, hmm. And that's how I approached it is just like, Staying where I was, just stay where you are, you know, not get too far ahead, not get too excited, even though you're like, oh, my God, I'm going to win. I feel like I'm going to win this. That's even distracting, you know. Hmm. Do you think about that? Sorry. Do you think about that as well when you're walking up to the podium to receive your medal? No, nah, that's Just all gone. Walk then. Up the then, steps. I'm in part- no, then I'm in party mode. Then I'm in party mode. When it's done, it's like, oh, my God, thank God I can breathe now, you know, because it's so... It's so intense, you know, having to think that way all the time, you know, yeah. having to control yourself like that. But when you get one chance every four years, you know, what are your alternatives? You're going to let it go? No, you know, you have to fight for it. So, 
that was that was the way I did it. A lot of other athletes, you know, do it in their own way or do whatever that it takes for them to to win, you know. But that's what it took from me because I do tend to get ahead of myself or maybe dwell on a mistake, you know, and that doesn't help you. You need to mm. just be where you are and that helps me, you know. Even today, like, oh, my God, my to-do list is like it's long, you know. Mm. But you can't do it all at once. And if you think about it all at once, you get overwhelmed, or I do. And so it's just like, okay, one thing at a time and you just work through it. Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. Um, with the – when you landed that final jump, what was the feeling? Obviously, it would have been elation. But, yeah, what, what sort of – do you remember what thoughts were going through your mind? Like, I've finally done it. All this hard work's been worth it. Um, do you remember that moment pretty well? Yeah, I do. It will never go, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's that's the, I guess that you know you have the medals to as proof and and videos as proof, but that feeling and that sweet moment I'll never forget, you know, because that was mine. No one else's. They all had it. Hmm. But but that was that that I'll never forget. It was a mixture of all that intensity, um, and the the stress and the worry and the fear and the excitement and all of those feelings that you know were kind of going through my body were just yeah like it was like you let off the the pressure cooker you know like the just the, the steam just came out yeah. and and it and it releases and um you just it's replaced then by relief first and then just like pure joy you know and satisfaction that finally done it yeah um and it's just, yeah, you're on a high. Like, you know, no one needs drugs when you can do stuff like that, that's for sure. Absolutely. Sounds um, amazing. <laughs> after you won it, um, a lot of people talk about, even myself, like I remember winning an under-15 footy grand final and it was the best feeling ever. And then a couple of days later, you're really like down. And yeah. And sort of yeah. like the highs and lows in life. Did you get that down period after when it all sort of... Oh, yeah. I yeah. call it postseason blues, it's, yeah. and it's every season, and every athlete probably feels it. But yeah. I kind of labelled it because I didn't want to call it a depression. It's just it's a it's an adjustment back to base level. Like you got to think about you know going through the grand final. You've you've competed that whole season. You're on the go. You're training. Your 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 adrenaline's up. You know your cortisol levels are up. Everything. Like you've got that concoction of hormones and chemicals through your body and that's not normal, you know. Mm. And so then you come home or you've won an Olympic gold medal and you've finished the season, you come home, you know, like for us, I was four months travelling, you know, every season, like all mm. over the world, a different country every week, you know, and then you get home and you're like making school lunches and, you know, like doing yeah. doing your laundry mm. and doing the normal things again and you realise your friends haven't done anything different you've been gone and everything's back to normal and you're like you're so you're going from this higher level of operation back down to baseline back to normal it's not it's not a depression it's just an adjustment and so I kind of realized it like pretty early on like maybe a few seasons in and just go ah it's post-season blues right just go through it and then yeah it's like you finish any kind of major project you get sick or you feel flat or you know, whatever, you feel drained because it was such an intense period. Um, yeah, so that's normal, completely normal. And if athletes could understand that a little bit better, um, it would help them get through that, you know. Yeah, I think that's pretty smart that you learnt that early on um, because I think that's just the highs and lows of life. Like you can't enjoy the highest of highs, say winning Olympic gold medal if you haven't experienced you know, sort of other lows, like obviously with yeah. injuries and stuff. Um, yeah, and... but it's a, it's a physiological change too. Like I'm yeah. sure that if you measured your blood, you know, during this, the peak of the season or, or just before a grand final and then you measured your bloods three months later or two, two weeks later, you know, you'd find different levels of hormones in there. Mm. And so it's just, it's physiological, you know, as well. Yep. Like it's, yeah. It would be a good experiment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, with your yoga and stuff, I saw I seen you doing a fair bit of it on Survivor. Um, mm. I was sort of wondering because I I sort of got into it last year and it's sort of really awesome. helped. Yeah. Um, I sort of 
was wondering how long have you been practicing yoga and um with all the um, visualization techniques and stuff it sounds like you've sort of done a version of yoga or meditation for a long time mm, yeah absolutely definitely all the mental imagery training um even just breathing techniques things like that to you know be once you feel your heart kind of palpating and a bit out of control like learning how to breathe to breathing through your belly and things like that to slow it down that's a that's that's just another skill you know that you learn or I learned as an athlete like just being able to control that um but yoga I really found it in 2012 when I had a really bad back injury and um you know where by you know specialists were saying it's surgery or stop kind of thing um stop your sport and so I didn't really like that option (laughs) and then um my mental trainer Jeff um, had been seeing this yogi guru in Melbourne for a long time he said look what have you got to lose he really helped me I think you should go and see him he's got a great story too so okay I went and saw him and within two days I was like 75 percent pain-free like ridiculous, like unbelievable. And then I was hooked. And so I saw him for six months, five days a week from 6am to 8 every single day Mm. um, until, and within three months my back was better, like it was great. And then, um, yeah, so I kind of got hooked there and then realised again, you know, the power. And it saved me really, it saved my career and it saved me a lot of times after that just by continuing you know the practice and you know especially the sport I was doing and the impact you know you're taking on a daily basis I needed yoga and with an aging body you know old mm. injuries I, I have yoga you know in my life so yeah it's just um I love it it's such a big part of my my routine my daily routine um it's medicine for me yeah so it's um, and I, you know, recommend it to everyone. Wish everyone could do it because a lot of people would be a lot happier if it was there, like it was part of their daily life. It's yeah. interesting. It's really interesting you mentioned that because as an exercise physiologist, I work a lot with people with chronic pain or mm. things like that. And um, what if you ha- find the right teacher, see, there's the problem is yoga is. There's so many spin-offs. There's so many people that have done their 500 hours of training and think that they like. there are yoga teachers and then there are yoga teachers and this mm. is the problem. This is yeah. the, 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 the art has been diluted and mm. it's not necessarily, you know, yoga is traditionally taught one-on-one and that's how it should be taught. Yeah, It should be taught in a class where there's hundreds of bloody people because the instruct, how is the instructor going to make sure your technique is correct? You know, it's all about precision. It's all about alignment. It's all about, you know, the sequence of movements. And, yeah, so it is, it's a science in itself. And mm. um, I think it's been, you know, really bastardized to an extreme level. So you have to be careful in who is teaching you yoga. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And same thing with things like Pilates as well, which mm-hmm. have also kind of, um, you see all these Pilates classes and people doing online classes as well, mm-hmm. um, which makes it hard because I, I, I really think that there is a really good benefit out of it. Um, oh, it's amazing. Yeah, there, yeah. There, is, there are a lot of people that just um, yeah, kind of take advantage of that, like you said. Yeah, you know, they think they've done their qualifications, you know. And they might know a bit, but it's just, yeah, that level of detail is probably not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I did a few sessions of yoga last year, about 12 sessions. Um, my mm. brother got me onto it. So he's a 22-year-old like, local footballer, big unit, and he said he did it with a heap of soccer mums. Yeah. And, but, he, but he said he was getting some great benefits out of it. Yeah. Pretty stiff back and stuff. So he, yeah. he got me onto it. Yeah, and I'm a little bearded 24 year old, and yeah, rocked up, and I was sort of taking the piss out of it at the start, to be quite honest. Yeah, but, but once you sort of let those walls down and really get into it, um, I just burst out in my knee inflammation for like yep. three years, and I did like five sessions, and the inflammation was gone, there the pain was gone. Yeah, 
and I was like, this it's is medicine. amazing. Yeah. 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 I oh, totally. Yeah. And yeah, I, I am actually, you know, loving the whole journey of yoga because I I'll always see myself as a student, you know, so mm. I just want to learn more. Um, so, and yeah, no, I'll just, it's something I'll do for the rest of my life. Absolutely. Um, so we've been going for about an hour. It's, mm. Do you mind if we quickly do a little bit of survivor talk and then we can wrap it up because um, I'm aware of your time as well? Yeah, I've just got a mentor, um, a skateboarder <laughs> after yeah. this. So, yeah. so yeah, we can do a survivor wrap. Yep. Yeah, cool. Um, so with, with Survivor, the obvious question is 2018, what made you want to go on to Survivor? Um, oh, I've always loved the show and yeah. the, and in particular like the challenges and just the the whole idea of, you know, leaving everything behind and having a good um, digital detox was appealing to me, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and that's that's what I loved about it, you know, the simplicity of living with next to nothing, you know, having you got one pot and, you know, a fire and a crappy shelter and barely any yeah. clothes and you're fishing for food and, you know, like that we don't get to do every day. And so that opportunity plus the whole the challenge the challenge aspect of it was um really what drew me in i'm not really you know wanting to be a tv star or a reality star that's that's not what was the carrot for me it was the experience um which you know it provided it was amazing um the social play and the you know it gets pretty intense you know when you you kind of you're lying and deceiving every single day and when you're not used yeah, to that yeah. no who no one really is used to that but it's pretty full on but but also fun because you can just you realize you know it's a game and let's let's play kind of thing so yeah no it was it's amazing like an amazing experience and i wish i could do you know i could have that experience every single year it kind of hits the reset button you know and yeah. it's hard leaving your family and all of that oh, i'd love to do it with them you know and just have that kind of digital detox experience every single year it's good it's just good for the soul yeah well absolutely well in 2018 you were on there for about 32 days i think wasn't yeah it? yeah um, yeah you were seen as a physical threat and yeah you sort of got blindsided that year. shafted <laughs> you're pretty surprised i was because you know yeah. i think you <laughs> spent 32 days having a really making a really good alliance you know yeah and thinking that that's going to be a solid group going forward and then people panic and change their mind and feel threatened and it's such a reflection on human nature to be quite honest yeah <laughs> um yeah. but yeah, no, but that's so that's the game as well. You know, a good blindside never killed anybody. It was a great one. So, yeah, yeah, look, it's I've had both experiences. You know, I went back for all stars and and I wasn't blindsided. I knew it was coming. And I don't yeah. know, it was kind of good knowing it was coming as well. So there's so much luck <laughs> yeah. in that yeah. game. You know, and what's what color buff you pick up? What's the swap going to be like? Like, there's yeah. so much luck that can come into it, which is Absolutely. shitty because you can't control that. Yeah. Um, but you know, it, to have that experience again, you know, it was yeah. really, really cool. And and the friendships that you do establish out of it, honestly, are quite profound. You know, and you've had yeah. this intense experience. It's kind of like how I feel about my teammates. You know, you've you've been to war together pretty much, <laughs> and um, yeah. that's the kind of feeling that you have and the camaraderie that you have. So, yeah, there's always positives. Um, and that's definitely a big one. Yeah, cool. And I can imagine the paranoia is a real thing in that game because oh, yeah. obviously you're not involved in every single conversation. So <laughs> yeah. what was that aspect like for you? Like did you feel your mind um, was I, constantly going? No, yeah, you are. You are constantly going, but you see people um, get super paranoid for no reason as well and you're like, yeah. you're going to chill out. You're going to chill like you've like completely making a mountain out of a molehill here so it's yeah. funny to watch how people perform and behave under pressure and you know it's it's stressful but it's yeah it's it's um ah cool it's fun yeah i'd do it again in a heartbeat even though i'm probably not very good at the game <laughs> Cle- <laughs> clearly clearly you're doing, you're doing well you're a challenge beast so uh challenge threat yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no that's good 
Um, so we'll just finish off. What What are your cool. plans for the future? What are you doing now? And yeah. Um, right at the moment, I kind of do a bunch of things. I mentor some athletes um, leading into Tokyo 2021 now, I guess. Yeah, cool. um, so that's that's exciting and just helping them kind of through this process as well. Um, and I run, you know, my company Body Ice. So that we've got a few different brands there. I've just launched a new brand called Zone, which is a yoga brand. It's an eco kind of conscious uh, yoga mats and and blocks and, and wellness accessories really. So I'm really excited about that brand and range. Um, so we're just developing that further at the moment. We just launched and it's doing really well. So it's really exciting. Um, Sweet. Yeah, and I do a bit of speaking here and there, but that's all been canceled too. So it's good, <laughs> I'm staying at home, yeah. <laughs> doing a lot of yoga and a lot of surfing. And you know, time will tell what's gonna happen in the next few months. It's an interesting time to be alive. Absolutely. We'll look back yeah. on it in 10, 20 years and we won't believe what happened. Yeah. So, <laughs> I know. Yeah. All right. Thank, thanks a lot, Lydia. We really appreciate it. No worries. That. Thank you very much. Um, good thanks, luck with guys. The thanks for having me. Yep. Yeah. No worries. Cheers. See you Thank later. You. you too. Thank you for listening to another Blokes in Your Ear podcast. You can follow us over on Facebook at The Blokes in Your Ear or on Instagram at The Blokes in Your Ear podcast all lowercase with no spaces. We're also streaming on Spotify, iTunes and other platforms. So if you can go over there, follow them, give us a five-star review, it all helps out. Thank you for listening.